Hey, welcome to another episode on the People Productivity Channel, where we interview very, very interesting people who have tips and techniques to share with you so you can become the best you possible. Today, I have on a very interesting guest. Yes, another interesting guest, Jim Knight. Uh, Jim actually did what few people achieve. He became a CIO in a Fortune 250 company. Um, that is a real accomplishment. 250 of those jobs available in America. Jim got one of them. He became an incredibly good leader. He has taught leadership. And today, you're going to learn a lot about leadership, the importance of leadership, and most importantly, how leadership is actually really going to change and reinvent itself as we come into this digital economy that is emerging around us. So, Jim, um, hey, could you just share a little bit about yourself with the audience? Sure, sure. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I've been in IT my whole life. I went to college for both uh, bachelor's and master's in computer science and MIS. Um, during college, started my IT career. Always wanted to be an IT guy. Uh, I'm approaching my 39th year, believe it or not. And uh, I've been mainly in the property insurance world, some pharmaceutical. I finished my corporate career about four years ago in, as the global CIO of Chubb Insurance Company. I was there for 20 years. And uh, they got acquired, and it was a, a perfect time for me to go out on my own. And I did some IT consulting, but then I also realized and um, had a passion for helping others develop their leadership skills and become better at what they do, especially in IT, but beyond IT also. And so I, uh, I got certified as a leadership coach and, a, and an empowerment coach in general, life coach if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. and uh, have a number of designations in terms of assessment tools and so on and so forth. And now I do IT consulting and coaching to help mainly IT, but not only leaders uh, really become the best they could be. So at the end of the day, I believe everything's about leadership. You know, leadership is absolutely what drives. It's the engine that is driving these companies. And even though we see the number of layers of leadership shrinking over time, and we're going to get flatter org structures mm -hmm. in this digital economy where people are more fully empowered, at the end of the day, setting direction, motivating the people, inspiring people about the mission, making sure the roadblocks are moved. This is super important. And what I love about this interview, honestly, is that you worked your way up through technology, technology right. leadership. And you now read in all of these different prognostications that in some way, every company is going to be a tech company. Mm -hmm. And if every company is going to be a tech company, where teams of people have to come together to turn concepts or ideas into reality. That creative process to build something, this group craftsmanship that we saw in IT ourselves is the kind of the methodology of leadership and the tools, techniques, and things that everybody is going to have to adopt. Mm -hmm. And that the methods that you applied to create success will be used by others. So, you know, tell us a little bit about that leadership journey. You know, what, uh, what happened along the way? How did you get into it and what happened? Yeah, um, like I said, since I was a kid, uh, believe it or not, I had my first real job when I was 10 years old. My dad owned a microphone service in New York and I was his delivery guy. And every now and then he would let me um, run the computer that did the microfilming. So I was somewhat intrigued. 11th grade, took computer math, basic programming to solve math problems, fell in love, mm -hmm. and I, I took it from there. I went to college for it, and I uh, started out as a junior programmer in a small three-person shop, uh, supermarket, local supermarket chain, upstate New York, 
Wow. And uh, moved on into an insurance company up there. That's where I started to really build some, let's say, IT and management muscle too. And then uh, had the yearning to come back to New York City. I'm a Brooklyn native. Uh, ended up at a, a, another insurance company where I went from developer. I did some BA work, business analysis work, but then got into project management and loved it. Mm. I was a sucker for a challenge. Uh, but it also hit me that I kind of noticed before that, but project management, I guess, gave me the outlet. It's all about results, right? If you, yeah. if you want to really make a difference, get results, make it happen. Right. Um, and I, I really honed my project management skills. I loved the idea of that challenge. I became pretty good at it that, you know, through my career, many times I've been given a runaway project to fix or the ones that okay. others just couldn't get done, got through that. Um, but as in project management, especially is when I first learned about, it's about people, right? You could have, you know, when you look at projects, you look at the resources you have, the biggest resource, you know, and the toughest one to really uh, deal with are the, the people resources. Toughest meaning there's different personalities yeah. and you really need to line them up. And to your point, as, as I progressed through my career, companies start to realize, and Chubb a great example, I know two leaders that said to, to me, you know, I'm a technology company doing underwriting, or I'm a technology company doing claims. Which is progressive thinking. Exactly. And that was Chubb. really that progressive was, thinking. That was Chubb. That's the way that the folks were. And so as I got into more of the senior roles, you know, and, and mainly I got on the radar screen for uh, two main reasons. One was I always got it done. And the other was, which I did not learn until later, but it's just a natural part of me, is, as people say, I was coachable, mm. right? So right. I got to a point at Chubb Insurance Company, I rose through the ranks and got to become a divisional CIO. And uh, the um, global CIO role came up, right? And I took a first shot at it, didn't get it. You know, they, they didn't think I was ready or anyone was ready. They came, they brought someone from the outside specifically to raise the next CIO for Chubb, like oh. up their leadership skills. So I was part of, let's say I was a part of a two and a half year interview and beauty contest, <laughs> right? And I learned a lot about myself and about leadership, but it was about, you know, at the end of the day, and we can talk more about this as we go on. What I learned is it's less about me competing with somebody else. It was about me being the best I could be and mm -hmm. not to be distracted by the competition. And it took me a little bit to get there, but I got there. And then once I had that mindset, I became very coachable because I knew it was any, I took it like a sponge. Fast forward, I got the job after the two and a half year beauty contest. And I remember talking to the, my predecessor at the time. So what made the difference for me? Because uh, the competition, there were very smart people at job and others oh, easily sure. could have got this job. And uh, she's saying, you know, I got it done. <clears throat> I had advocates. <clears throat> but most importantly, in terms of the competition, I was coachable. And they knew that if I had a challenge, you know, I can, they can work with me to kind of take me to the next level. So, and then I just, you know, I was in that role for nine years, did a lot of IT transformation, really did a lot of good projects. Of course, we had the typical IT hiccups. It's important how you handle them. Um, and then they got acquired and here I am. Yeah. And you know, amazingly you got promoted from within. I mm -hmm. can't tell you the number of companies 
that you see going out and saying, we need to get somebody from the outside. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, I think that, you know, they know because you're on the inside, you know, what are the kind of the flaws and things you need to work on that you exactly. have. And all of the external candidates just look so perfect on these records. <laughs> That's so true. And it's the allure of finding this, mm -hmm. you know, incredibly perfect mm -hmm. person that doesn't really mm -hmm. exist. And you must have been very coachable because in most instances, they really do turn to the outside, especially when it's been a long timer. Uh, yes. Congrats and kudos to you. You pulled it off. Thank you. Thank you. It was work and Chubb, you know, I have to, you know, uh, appreciate the type of company Chubb was to have that on their radar screen. You know, from a governance point of view, of course, they have to look outside too. Right. Yeah, they do. But, you know, they, they stuck to what the original idea was, is, you know, we know we have talent here. So let's just, you know, groom them all. And I had throughout the process, you know, they actually provided an executive coach that worked with all of us. Right. And, yeah. um, but I took it my mission that I'm going to win no matter what. I don't mean I'm going to win and get the job no matter what, which is certainly, you know, I do have a competitive side to me. <laughs> yeah, but course. it is as much as I'm going to be much better at the end of this regardless, you know, by learning and doing, you know, and really sponging it all in. Uh, and it, it worked. I mean, honestly, and what, what I was honestly most proud of, of course, getting the job was a, a feel-good thing. The transition from my predecessor to me was absolutely seamless. Wow. There was no hiccups. Matter of fact, they told me about it in December of uh, 07, or 07. I was to take it over March 1st. By January, I think, 15th, my predecessor was, you got this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go help them with some other expense-cutting mission things they want me to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. yeah, fantastic. What a great feeling. And I think the takeaway for the audience here, for those people who want to do better at anything, it doesn't mean they're going to, you know, their target is to be the CEO or their top leader somewhere. It could mm. be anything. That's right. Reality, That's is, right. reality is you said, I'm going to be coachable. And what does that mean to the average person who you know, maybe isn't a sponge? What, what in fact did you do that maybe they should do? What's the That's a great question. You know, I noticed it. I learned it myself, but I also noticed in other people that, you know, you don't know it all. There's no way. Right. And, you know, this person, her name is June Drury. Many might know her. She was my predecessor, but also uh, a gentleman I worked with at Chubb for 15 of the 20 years I was there in one way, shape or form, reported to him for a lot of the time uh, on the business side, Dino Robusto. He now runs CNA Insurance Company. Um, he also was brilliant in terms of, uh, in a different way. June had her way, Dino had his way. And just, uh, I recognized the talent in both of them and in many other people. And I recognize, and it requires some humility, yeah. right? And I have an ego like anybody else. And some will say maybe bigger than most people, uh, yeah. right? In, in a fun way. But um, I realized that these people know stuff. Yes. And it's also... You know, I'm a, I'm a person that likes to get along with people, and I think relationships are important. Taking people's advice and answering advice is actually a compliment to them. And they actually, you know, want to, most people want to help people. Yeah. And if you let your ego get in the way, which being uncoachable, many times I believe is the ego getting in the way. I think right? so. Too. So um, I think be open to anything and, you know, 
I recognize I don't know it all at all, right? And that um, take the advice, but do something with it. The advice that makes sense, and that's what I did. And I just did it naturally as I grew through this process. You know, when June had told me that that was one of the things that, that really shined a light on me amongst other yeah. things, but the other people, like I said, had many, many good qualities. Um, it was an aha, aha moment for me that, wow, that was more important than I thought. I was doing it for me. Yeah. Because right? yeah. I was gonna I was gonna take everything out of this I could, right? Whether I got it or not. So it's really about being open minded and just being a sponge. Yeah. Like, you like did, you did super. And it's you know, and it's a level of uh, uh vulnerability to that, right? Because mm -hmm. there are some people and I've you know, my recognition of what one or two people were doing in that, you know, in that same contest or other times was um, if they put it out there for advice, they're also putting out that I don't know. Yeah. And to them, that was, you know, vulnerability they just didn't want to put out there. Yep. And I totally disagree with that. I think you know, it's even when you make a mistake, right? Where you don't know something. Yeah. Early in my career, I would try to fib my way through it. Now, it per was perfectly okay. I learned saying, you know what? I don't know that. Let me get back to you. You know, it's and so that, interesting that the, you know, the really many, many of the really great leaders, and this has been studied, Mm -hmm. um they've just got they're vulnerable and they have an affinity for the yep. human side of business yep. and exactly jim collins wrote a book level five leadership years ago there's a great mm -hmm. paper on it i read it in the 90s it absolutely resonated with me and the level five leader was this highly vulnerable leader the ones who even when they knew something said you know i i, I don't know what should we do right and people rallied around mm -hmm. wanted to help uh, immediately they could contribute and feel needed they were motivated and all these different parts of the human psyche came into play and they built these great companies you know what what made you so interested in the human side of leadership did you have an epiphany did you just uh, you know naturally gravitate to that what happened um probably more natural gravitation but there were moments of epiphanies let's call it right yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, when I got into project management and I knew, and I was, I was a very methodical project manager. I had project plans to the nth degree, you know, and, and my attitude always, always failure is not an option. We're going to do everything. If we, if it didn't work, we could truly say we no stone went unturned to make it work. Yeah. Right. So that required a lot of planning and, you know, I don't enjoy planning, but it was a necessary part of the world I was in because I did not want to fail. Yeah. And um, as I was doing that, I realized, or started to realize through the process, it's all about the people. It's yep. not about the technology you have, or it's not about the money they're going to give you and capital investment. It's about, if you want to be most productive, it's about the people. Then I kind of evolved to, you know, it's easy to get their hands. That's what the paycheck's all about, right? Yeah. It's not as easy to get their head in their heart, especially the heart. You want their enthusiasm. So, and that's by the way, where a lot of leadership comes in, but I definitely learned that it's all about the people. And I don't only mean, you know, um, there's a carrot and stick side of leadership, right? Yeah. When people are doing well, let them know it, right? And treat them well. But accountability is important, right? And, it, and you have to hold people accountable. And that's another side of the human factor that you have to put in there that, you know, we all, we're all here for a reason. We all have our goals. You know, we want to be unified in those goals as possible. But um, if you're not measuring up, 
determine if it's a training issue, is it a, is it a capability issue, is it a character issue, and deal with it appropriately. Sometimes it's training, sometimes it's wrong role, wrong person, change yeah. the role, sometimes yeah, you just don't fit. And that just sends a, a message to the rest of the team that there is much value because we're not letting someone drag us down. Yes. Right. Or will you invest in the human side of them and make them better or give them a different role? So to your question, um, you know, I know this is so overused phrase or cliche is people are the, the biggest asset. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one, even with all the technology that's out these days that can replace people in manufacturing and some artificial intelligence knowledge work, it's still about the people. Yeah. hundred percent. Because as you automate, these manual repetitive things away, or you mm -hmm. get 3D printing to replace mm -hmm. what some of the people were doing before, those weren't very human activities, actually. Exactly, they exactly. It's mm -hmm. not, what, not what we were designed mm -hmm. to do here. So, exactly. you know, fascinating. Um, you know, along the way, you discovered this, you mentioned it earlier, that people are different, this human complexity, mm -hmm. as some people have called it. Right. Um, and, you know, you had to be high EQ enough to adapt to mm -hmm. different personalities. Any, any thoughts on that? I mean, that's. Broad yeah, that's very important. And I'm still, I'll be, I'd be lying to say I'm not still a student of that because I think it, you could never stop learning about that part of the human dynamics and how we're all yeah. different. You know, I, I'm a certified Myers-Briggs. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm certified Myers-Briggs assessments, put it that way. And, you know, it, it heightened my awareness of how different we are and that we all have a different, let's go, as my experience was called, preferences, right? Yeah. And that, you know, the trick of the trade is to understand the people at almost an individual level and customize your um, approach based on that person. And like I said, I'm still a student in that. I think over the years I've gotten better and better at it, but I don't think you'd ever great at it. You know, like if someone's an introvert versus an extrovert, you know, yeah. there's different ways to get the most out of them in a way that they appreciate, not the way you want to do it. Right. So um, and then even, you know, what you take that, that's who, what, who they are and their preferences. But then you, you kind of bring into the mix. Where are they in life? Are there other things in their way? you know, life on the life side of the world or, yeah. you know, some stressors. And, you know, there is a very human side. It's one of the things also I loved about Chubb Insurance Company is they cared about the people, right? And they would be considerate of things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it just, I couldn't stress more. The people are very different. The more we each, each leader can understand, you know, the needs of that given person and you get, them maximize what they contribute in a way that they enjoy doing it. Yeah. You won the game. You absolutely won the game. Yeah, you won the game. And you know, I, I would second the whole notion of these insurance companies having somewhat of a more caring attitude about mm -hmm. people because they've got this long-term vision of things and where they're going and realize there's some ups and downs along the way. And, you know, I found it easier to be more human in these places that it wasn't all about every number and people were an expense. They were more of an asset, exactly. just a, better, a little bit healthier environment. So, um, you know, that, uh, that brought you, you know, obviously tons of learnings along the way. And I know, you know, you got involved in that society for information management, mm -hmm. global organization, a very big one, uh, in their leadership program, which is for those people who, don't know anything about it. It's a very, very well-known program. It's intense. 
it's called RLF, this, you know, regional uh, leadership forum, I think it is, right? Yes. Um, tell, you know, tell just a little bit about that for everybody. What is it? How does it work? And then maybe we can get into some of the different things that you've been teaching people along the way. Sure. Yeah, so RLF, SIMS RLF, Society for Information Management's leadership program, um, is about authentic leadership. And it's, it's pretty intense. It's nine months. It, it, it transpires over nine months. You meet six times for two days each time. You read many books, up to 30 books. You do book reports on them. And really, it's about to make the, the leader as authentic as possible, to be as self-aware as possible, and just like really feel good about the leader who they are, right? And um, at Chubb, my predecessor in uh, June and, and my own efforts, we put at least 250 people through the program. Mm. And um, <coughs> just a, a quick story about a quick uh, example. There were a few people, ah, do I really want to go to this? You know, yeah. but they were feeling the peer pressure because others were going. And, you know, I wouldn't force anybody, but, I, you know, I was pushing them. And um, this one person was pretty like, I don't want to do this. It's too much time. I have too much to do. But she came around. And after the second of the six sessions, I remember she came in. We were having a, she was a direct report. We were having a one-on-one. -on -one, and she said, Jim, I get it. This is going to be a life-changing experience. And you would not believe how many people have said that, right? What I love about the program, and I actually, I'm running it for SIM. I own the whole thing nationwide. Yeah. Um, and I actually run one of the forum, the executive version of RLF. You know, which is a more advanced version. And um, what I like about it is it literally does that. You get to know you as a leader. You know, all, you know how do you delegate? How do you keep people accountable? All great stuff. You know, that's not what this is about. It's yeah. about really your style and how to be most effective with your style. Executive RLF takes it the next step. You know, more about business savvy, more about politics, more about relationships yeah. and networking. RLF touches some of that. But, and it, you don't have to be an IT person to go. It just hmm. happens to be part of an IT organization. And um, we have how many forums? I think uh, 10 forums across the United States. And we put about 250, 300 people through it a year. Wow, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember along the way taking a look at the book list. This was years ago and saying, wow, that is a really, really... Mm -hmm high quality reading list mm -hmm. and self-awareness is wow i mean that's so important what um let's talk about that for a minute sure. because how do you think people grew self-awareness everybody could be more self-aware and mm -hmm. what could we share with people here today who are listening in on maybe growing their own what'd you take away i would say you know it's it's you know self-awareness so i let's use a little bit of a let's say metaphor we're all our own little computer right? Yep. And we have a CPU that has an operating system. And anyone suggests their operating system is flawless or bug-free, you know, clearly isn't self-aware, right? So if you really want to be the best you can be, my opinion is you need to be self-aware. And there's a certain amount of humility that goes with that and vulnerability, mm -hmm. where, you know, if you could really understand, you, be self-aware, understand what works for you and what doesn't, and be okay with it, and then work at it versus it being, you know, something that brings you down, you can't help but be better. 
it's just gonna, it's almost like intentionality. It's gonna happen once you recognize, hey, I'd say for myself, I'm not the greatest public speaker, as yeah. an example, right? Um, I recognize that, and incrementally, I get better and better. You know, I'm not gonna be a charismatic, you know, uh, politician or anything like that, but I'm getting better and better at effectively speaking as an example. But I had to become self-aware that I have, there were a few challenges in my head that held me back, right? But also self-awareness isn't only about understanding what, where you can improve yourself. It's also about, hey, some, someone could say, I'm pretty darn good at this. And what I noticed a lot too is people who are just naturally good at something, don't recognize or appreciate it because they've always been that way. It's yeah. not something, it's not a muscle they grew and it takes others like RLF to make them aware of, you know, and it's, there's one person who I know very well who um, has such an engaging personality and, and knows how to, what to say, when to say it and how to say it. And it's probably been that way since they're five years old. Yeah. And doesn't recognize that the talent, how talented they are in that realm. Uh, and now they've kind of learned to, you know, it being pointed out to them in, in different ways and, and kind of mirrored back to them. Maybe, you know, maybe I have something special here. And mm -hmm. now I'm going to use that to my advantage. You know, I'll give you an example of myself, which I never realized. Um, I've heard it more than once in feedback to me along the way is that uh, some would suggest I have a very unassuming approach, mm -hmm. right? And that unassuming approach actually, you know, in one way you could also parenthetically say, maybe I don't market myself as much as I could. So mm -hmm. that's maybe not the, you know, that's a side that could be improved. But the other side is that it's steady as you go yep. and I just make things happen without as many distractions. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about self-awareness, and you talk about people growing it. Mm -hmm. A big part of that then is, I guess, them becoming more thoughtful about who they are, but also being open to feedback. What do you see happen in RLF, and what could people mm -hmm. do in life to become more self-aware? What worked for some of the people who went through this program? There's so many going through. What are they? It, um, so a couple of things I do in RLF right, is you tell your personal story, right? And usually the first couple of people, you know, they're a little tentative, but it gets deep. And partly what, what works and resonates with people is they start to hear, oh, he or she suffers with that too, or is challenged by that too, yeah. or whatever. And you start to understand that you're not alone. I, I you know, you, you all, let's call them demons or gremlins, right? That we may have in a, in a way of thinking, which we all have in one, sh one shape or form, that you start to realize, well, wait a minute. Ah, they got that too, right? Now we're all, we're all human, we're all in this together, right? And that now sets the stage for you to let down your guard and be more vulnerable and open to, you know, really, really exploring yourself and updating, upgrading your, your skills, your soft skills, your core skills, let's call them. Um, that works very well, but it also creates a, you start to build a bond with everybody. There's yeah. usually anywhere from 25 to 30, maybe even 30 plus people in a given forum. You do not leave that without a bond with most of them. Be it you're a quiet person or a more gregarious person, doesn't yep. matter. You're going to bond with people. And, and, you know, if you really talk about the human experience, connection's important to us. 
right? So you're yeah. leaving a connection and trusted partnerships or, or, or uh, relationships that now become part of your network. You can pick up a phone and call them and say, hey, hey, Frank, I'm just having a rough day. Can, can we just chat? Struggle right. with this, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. It could be work-wise. It could be, you know, yep. in, in a challenge you have personally. So there's, you know, there's that creating a world where it's okay to be vulnerable, building that network, but also giving you tools and perspective. A lot of the books give perspective, right, on mm -hmm. ways to look at the world and open up, you know, your thinking in terms of there are other ways. And it's just, it's, it's highly effective. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I listen, that trust bond that people are building obviously allows them to be more open with others and mm -hmm. get the feedback that's required. And, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know, self-awareness is something you've got to pursue. And right. I do think that, you know, people have to be vulnerable and say, hey, mm -hmm. you know, what do I need to do better? What, right. what do you think? And uh, people will help them. And I, I love this whole notion of self-awareness because this is going to be really important and you know i meant to ask you why do you think that this human dimension is so important at this moment in time another great question you know it it um just i can answer it in so many different ways one way that, that I, I i realize or think about is you know technology is really really taking a big place in our world right and in yeah. many cases replacing the human element right yeah so, and, and some, in many cases, a cool thing, right? Because we go on, we meaning the knowledge type worker can go on and do more. There's also more the manu you know, the, the, the hands-on type folks can do more too. But um, it doesn't work. Technology, no matter what, is a prosthetic to a human. It, mm -hmm. it can't totally replace us. Prosthetic. But the human, like that. the human becomes more important in the process. Right, because now we're relying more and more on that human and that one interaction, if you would, if it's with a customer or if it's with, um, um, you know, peers. And strictly from an opinion point of view, you know, I think, you know, technology is, is, is creating a situation where we're not all feeling as connected as we could. Mm -hmm. Right. And I that's agree. a human need. It's a factual human need from a spiritual and emotional level. You need connection is where, where are, humans are hurting. H-E-R-D-I-N-G, we heard, right? Yeah. And that's what we're all about. And, you know, if we're taking that away and isolating, not a good thing. So as a leader, if you really want a, a leader of people or a leader in the industry, your customer, if you could connect with them and get the most out of them in a way that they want to be part of it, right? Um, they, the company wins or your job, you win or whatever, you know, you want to, uh, uh, whatever box you want to put that in, but you're actually helping that person connect more to life in general. Mm -hmm. And then, so it's up to us as leaders to find ways to capitalize on that. But it, it, the human element becomes more and more important. I think firstly, as technology gets more and more of a pervasive, uh, right? pervasive it's more important that the human involvement gets more and more critical. Yeah. And that is exactly what we're seeing everywhere as companies struggle to throw off this industrial era mindset where humans mm. will expense uh, mm. sometimes a necessary evil in an environment where these large, you know, cab, these equipments, uh, factories filled with capital equipment had mm -hmm. to run right. And it was those investments that matter, not the people. We see the mm. exact opposite, right? The cost of the infrastructure goes down and down and down and down and down, and the cost of the people goes up. They create all of the 
you know, services and digital things for this era where it's so important mm-hmm. that um, it's an exciting time for people to begin to really, you know, perfect this human dimension, which is why I was excited to have you on because you're just mm-hmm. so good at it, you know? Thank you. Thank you. And it, it, it is important. It's actually why I got into coaching. Yeah. You know, because um, I think, you know, anybody, you know, we're not working at full capacity. I don't mean working work, work, but we're not, let's say, uh, living at full capacity, yeah. right? And, you know, a coach, as an example, and this is, like I said, why I got into it, even if it brings clarity to a person. Yeah. Right? And, you know, you talk about vulnerability. A coaching relationship, you could be very vulnerable. That's part of the game, right? Um, I think it needs to be more than just in a coaching relationship, but just let's take that as an example, right? And I've had people share with me things, deep, deep stuff, mm. that just by reframing it, and changing, helping them change perspective, it opened up a whole new world for them. Yeah. Right? So anything that helps with self-awareness, it could be a best friend too, it doesn't have to be a coach, it could be, you know, if you have a relationship like that with your boss, or someone at work, you know, anyone where you can just kind of help you be self-aware, but also help reframe things to give you perspective, yeah. right? A good leader will set up an environment where that's, that happens automatically. Yeah, super important. Um, that, you know, the growth of self-awareness is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly in this era, we're going to see that self-aware leaders who are vulnerable are going to be the ones that right. actually are able to get the best uh, out of people by creating mm-hmm. where they No doubt. It. Yeah, because you can't take the best from anybody. They have and to- And that's statistically proven, by the way. It. Yeah, it, I haven't read that study, but I'm sure it is. Oh, no, a number of studies out that talk about, you know, employee engagement, which let's assume under that umbrella is content employees, which yeah. you have to believe there are, the better the company does. You're right. You're right. The deeply engaged ones runs just right. much yeah. better. It's amazing. But, um, I, you know, I have, to, uh, I have to say there's other factors, and I know you've dug into them many, many times. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about agility and resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they talk about, hey, we're going to use an agile process. Mm-hmm. Like scrum and you know that's right. going to be the end of the story and suddenly we're agile but in fact you've got to have an agile human infrastructure and i know you got into that during mm-hmm. you know your years in leadership because obviously you accomplished that and it's also some of the things that you teach and coach people on yes Maybe, uh what do you think at this moment no i i think actually both those are quite important let's talk agility first you know if you want to use a little metaphor you know um you want to be an aircraft carrier or a pt boat Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd rather have a team of 10 PT boats than one big aircraft carrier where we could move in unison together. Or if one mm-hmm. of us have to kind of move a little different direction for the better of the team, that's a wonderful thing. And they're just, you know, PT boats much more agile than a carrier. Yeah. Clearly a carrier has its importance, but um, the world is moving too fast, especially in the technology realm. Right. I mean, Never, I mean, can an accountant, I think I know this, can an accountant say, okay, I got my CPA, other than keeping on the latest rules and regs, I, I'm there, right? An IT professional can't do that, right? We always have to be on right. top of things, right? Oh, and there's new technologies, but the new technologies are completely, not completely, but often changing the world we live in, the world we work in, and how we approach work, Right? So that's where resilience comes in. So you need to be agile to keep up with it and to be as most productive. But resilience comes in because it's always changing. And, you know, to kind of always be in a position to kind of 
be able to work through it and come out on top and, and, and exploit it, anything new that's coming, you're in a better position to have the, a greater impact. Um, and that, 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 there's, some e there's a lot of EQ involved in that, yeah. right? Um, there's a lot of competency involved in that. Uh, but I, you know, if, if you want to be, you know, kind of continue on your career and grow, those are definitely two areas to focus on. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, people have to stop, be able to stop and reflect and not react. Because uh, right. things are changing really, really quickly. And mm -hmm. that whole ability to stop and reflect is, is just vitally important, as is, you know, courage, right? Oh, courage is key. You know, um, there was a saying I used to, I don't know where I heard it. I, I know it's not an original, but no risk, you know, uh, no risk, no reward. Yeah. Right. Oh, I've heard. And you, you you play it safe. All right. You may coast through life. But if you're real, you gotta, you know, smart risk, if you want to call it that, educated risk or higher risk with mitigation strategies in case something yeah. goes wrong is how I approach life. And um, it's paid off. And I think you need courage. You need to put yourself out there. You know, we talked about vulnerability a couple of times. You know, being vulnerable is being courageous. Yeah. Right. It and courage itself to really, you know, I've taken, I'll just give a very, very quick story. You know, we, we, we were at Chubb, we were looking to centralize IT from a federated model, right? And I put a lot of work went into it to plan it, to design it. I remember talking to the CFO to, to introduce the idea, idea yeah. to him because I was trying to get everyone lined up. And, you know, it was a few at the leadership level, at his level, there was a little contest their own beauty contest, who's going to be next CEO of Chubb, right? Yeah. And I didn't report to him. I reported to this, this gentleman, Dino, I mentioned earlier. And um, he looked at me when I, I shared with him what I wanted to do. And he says, you know, Jim, the target's going to be completely on your back now, right? right. And I turned Take around and I said, away, right? I said, listen, it's the right thing to do. We need to do this. Now, there was a side to him, to be honest with you, we were saving the company some money. So the other side of his CFO hat, he was very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was, I knew the spotlight would be on me. If this thing failed, I'd be out selling pencils. Oh, right? you bet. You bet. Um, you know, love they're, they're control, gonna... right? I am right. a data center. I can get stuff done. I don't have to deal with this bureaucracy. Humans want control. And yet, yep. you that away? <laughs> wow. That yeah. is, uh, that's a tough message. And it, 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 thankfully, it worked. Right. And but I could have I could have easily not pursued that. Yeah. Right. It there was I, I felt there was a calling for it to happen. Right. But I went to my boss to sell the idea. And his courage is he was phenomenal in terms of supporting me the whole way through. Um, but I knew it was the right thing to do. I knew we had to do it. You know, that to you get to my leadership style. You asked me early on, you know, there's there's always three things that I kind of look at. As, as a leader, do the right thing, do it the right way, mitigate risk. Yeah. Or mitigate uncertainty, I Great guess, right? right? And um, that was the right thing to do, mm -hmm. right? And I mitigated risk by planning it out, having the right people, so on and so forth. History says you absolutely did the right thing. Companies that didn't do it struggled with more overhead, harder migration to the cloud, exactly. everything. Mm -hmm. Centralizing that, wow, mm -hmm. what, uh, what absolutely the right call, mm -hmm. without a doubt. Um, encourage, you know, we're in an era where people do have to mm. start reinventing themselves. Mm -hmm. Not all, but many. 
And uh, that takes courage too, because it's comfortable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's very comfortable to just say, hey, I'm gonna ride the wave, and I'm <laughs> gonna do what I'm doing, and I'm gonna just continue to get paid for this and ride in the sunset, and unfortunately, mm -hmm. the world may not work that way for you, right? right. So people should be getting ahead of the curve. I love this whole notion of courage. Well, yeah. even in that regard, you know, there's a, I, when I, I uh, give people advice about that. And a career in general, I, I, I often use the uh, comparison to a corporation, right? And each corporation, a public corporation has a stock price. Yeah. And the stock price is a reflection of future potential. And uh, you apply it to yourself, you want your stock price to be as high as possible. So what do you have to do to make sure, let's say a different word, you're as marketable as possible, mm -hmm. right? If, and I feel if you look through that lens, like what is going to make me, I mean, specifically talking about career, what's going to make me as marketable as possible? You know, if you're a COBOL programmer and it stayed that way, there's still work for you, but you're not going anywhere beyond where you are. But if you read the tea leaves a little bit and followed technology's progression, or, you know, if you wanted to become an IT leader, you understand, you know, you read the tea and it's okay. It's less about technology. It's more about the stuff we're talking about here, leadership, things like that. So, but that all takes courage, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to leave, let's say, for example, I'm going to leave my COBOL world. I mean, I'm kind of self-reflecting a little bit here myself, and I'm going to get out of technology into project management, right? I knew if I stayed with COBOL, I'd be more secure. Sure. I put, you're a project manager putting yourself out there if it works great if it doesn't work you know yeah. you got a couple of you know visibility is a double-edged sword put it that way it really is it really right. is so that's that's i i so agree with you on courage yeah so you know listen you've had an incredible leadership journey and i think you know the your story and the things that really mm -hmm. matter that you've learned along the way have just been so important mm -hmm. um you know where could people find your company oh uh, it, it's um in the name of this night insights Mm -hmm. And um, www.jnightinsights.com. And I'll put it in the bottom of the uh, video, of course. Oh, great, great. And, the link there. you know, I, I kind of has three facets. I do IT management consulting, mm -hmm. empowerment coaching in general, which includes leadership development, and, uh, and then leadership development. And, and team building is associated with that. Um, and, you know, business has been good. And I'm enjoying it. And... You know, much like I didn't mention this earlier, much all the RLF facilitators, most of them, if not all of them, are semi-retired, mm -hmm. and like me, they're there because they want to be there. They're not there for the money. Trust me, yeah. it's not. You know, we, we it's, it's more of a cause than it is a uh, a job. Yeah. And what I love about every facilitator, and part of my uh, world last year was I visited a lot of forums and spent time with them as I was getting ready to take over the whole program. And the commitment these folks have to truly the mission of RLF, because like I said, it's a cause for them. It's yeah. not, you know, okay, I'm going to make X amount of money. I'm going to get my paycheck in two weeks. Thank God I can pay my mortgage. That's not where they're at. Right. Yeah. And it's just phenomenal. And that's kind of where I'm at too. And that's why I got into the world of coaching and, and consulting and leadership development. I enjoy it. It's a passion. And I think the need is out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you were a great leader and your track Thank you. It. And obviously you built great teams, so you're a great coach. And, you know, I fully encourage anybody looking for somebody to help them on the IT leadership side in their company to reach out to Jim because he is a real deal. I've known him. 
He's a great guy. And I think absolutely without a doubt, look him up. The link will be <clears throat> in the bottom here and you can find him. And Jim, I'd like to thank you for coming on. I think Thanks for having me. Uh, this was really, really good. We'll have to have you back. Happy to and, do it. You know, thanks so much. Appreciate it. You bet. It. Take care, Frank. Take care, buddy. Bye. Bye.